Thanks for tuning in to the Catch Podcast. Brought to you by Dark Horse Tackle. The best American small business baits you've never heard of. Stocked in a monthly box. Use promo code the Catch 5 off and save $5 off your first monthly subscription to the Weekend Warrior Box. Here are your hosts, Matt Souders and Brad Hicks. Hello, Matthew. What's up, man? <laughs> Not much, dude. What's up? Lord, nothing. Chilling like a yeah. villain. The Holiday Inn. Yeah, dude. So, anything new other than our float Saturday? No, not really, man. Um, I was going to go out today, but I'll be honest. I was tired, so I slept, and then I cut my yard, and when I got done cutting the yard, after I got stung by like 13 bees, I wasn't doing anything. So, (laughs) (laughs) What was that? (laughs) I don't know. It's like a little hiccup thing is going on. Oh, that sucks. uh, Before we share our trip... We got a new review on Apple Podcast. Send it. All right. So somebody somebody reviewed us, but they didn't leave a written review. So whoever that whoever did that, you did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, but, but you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, so we got a review from Cam Steele, the Faith and Fishing Podcast. Yeah. And the subject line says, "Are you not entertained?" And every time I see that <laughs> saying. I always picture like a king going, are you not entertained? Yeah, no, dude, I picture a gladiator, Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, that too. I was thinking something, but anyway, he said, these guys are already a lot of fun on their previous gear show, but now they are free to expand past products. They are really shining with a show that is just plain fun. Looking forward to watching them grow. Well, thanks, Cam. We appreciate it. And we always love when we're on the show. If you guys haven't uh, <clears throat> gone and give his show a listen, definitely Faith and Fish. It's awesome. Yep. So let's talk about our trip Saturday real quick. Uh, I mean, not bad. I didn't catch any size, but I caught a lot of numbers. Uh, we both caught yeah. a lot of numbers. Yeah, we caught numbers. You caught one. Well, you had one good one. It was like 17 and a half, I think. Yeah. Um, but it was the fluke. It was, dude. It was fat. But it was the fluke, man. The fluke just hammered. And then I got one on the uh, the creek. Uh, creek Seeker. Called? Creek Seeker from the last, from the Log Jam Dark Horse box. Um, I got one on the Creek Seeker. A little uh, tiny one, which is like the scariest. When you see the video, you're literally, you'll hear me. Because I my phone mount was uh, broke. So I had I only had the GoPro over my uh, back. And you'll hear me say, this is going to be scary. Because yeah. it was probably five inches, and yep. those are the worst fish to get. Tre- and the back treble, all three, was through its mouth. And I was like, oh, no. So <laughs> I couldn't really hold it. So I'm, like, sitting there, like, two-fingering, holding it, and, like, getting pl- your pliers. Because I forgot all my crap yeah. that day. All my tackle, my leader line, uh, pliers. I had my clippers because they're on my life jacket. But that's or my PFD. But that's it. Yeah, you had another, like stressful day on the water kind of dude stupid line i was getting so ticked off so one of the reasons i got stressed was my own fault because i 
through a trace, mock Jesus in the fastest current of the day into a low hanging bush or like branch. And when I get up there, I was like, this is the stupidest thing, how it's stuck. And my motor like had, it was like, I had it at 40% or whatever, and it was barely creeping. And then I got right behind a log that broke up the current and it was like, it's time to go. And I went face first into a tree that I saw about 47,000 spiders in. Yeah. That so that, oh, dude, that I was just freaked out. And most of them were daddy long legs. I was like, there's going to be like the random black widow that's going to bite me on the nose and I'm going to die or something. So I backed out of that. And then I got so pissed at one point, I literally just reached into the tree, broke the limb off came back and then the line of my tip of my rod got stuck in the tree somehow so i had to go back up and get that i just ripped i had the bait and i was like i don't care so i just ripped it and that 25 pound fluoro said not today and just ripped right out of the tree it was awesome (laughs) yeah uh yeah i had a it was a decent day for me i caught one good one like you said uh most of them were on the fluke they were all mid-river too like I, i was I was posted up in uh, shallow eddies about waist deep, casting towards the middle of the river. It wasn't even, I mean, it was the caffeine shad. Because I was throwing the fluke, and I got one fish on it. Uh, but then I wasn't getting anything else. So you had a bag of caffeine shad, and we just shared that. We went through the whole bag that day. But yeah, caffeine shad, where is that? It's like they wanted it because it sank a little bit, little bit faster. Right when I put that on, I mean, I caught seven or eight fish on that. So. Yeah. Yeah, caffeine shad. I always like just call it the fluke. I don't know why, but caffeine shad blows away the zoom zoom super fluke, in my opinion. I agree. I just like it because it, it it a is a little heavier, so you get a little bit farther casts on it. You can work more water. B it, it sinks. Good. It looks good. It sinks faster. Um, they smell I'm, good. Well, yeah, of course it's coffee. And I'm, I want to eat them. <laughs> well, I mean, you do that if you want to. I'm not going to, but. We did both say we want to try the uh, the the Z-Man shads, the jerk shads. Yeah, so. I do want to do want to try those? But uh, towards the end of the float, I ended up catching a ten to twelve inch fish on the six inch trace too. So that was cool. Yep, you finally got your uh, your swim bait trace fish. So now you just need to get something bigger. Yeah, it's gonna happen. I'm just no, oh, yeah matter of time i don't know i've had good luck with every trip i've gone out except for this last trip is the only one i didn't get i got a hit on it but it was small um but every trip before that i threw it out there and i got a fish on it so it's been a good year for swim baits yep and that's the reason why i wanted one so but yeah that was our trip um i don't got anything else i just want to get into this show because i think this is gonna be a fun one oh yeah it's gonna be fun so Let's dive in. All right. This episode, we have Brian Slayton, the Creek Crawler, coming on the, our coming on our show to talk about wade fishing, creeks, and what makes it different from rivers and stuff. So, Brian, what's up, dude? How's it going, guys? Thanks for bringing me on tonight. Heck yeah. Always. It's the least we could do after you taking me down the creek a few weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Dragging, thanks. dragging you through some some gnarly <laughs> some gnarly rebar and <laughs> boulders and <laughs> yeah, I, I the day after that I had bruised shins from that trip. Oh, I bet that I I noticed when you hit that rebar in the bank, you were kind of oh, you were holding it in. I could tell. Yeah, that, like, that hurt. That hurt. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, let's start out, dude. Uh, introduction, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, my name is Brian. Some of you may know me I'm on YouTube as the Creek Crawler. Uh, born and raised in Southwest Ohio, near near where you folks live currently, in the Miamisburg, Franklin, Middletown areas, is where I cut my teeth. Um, started fishing creeks when I was super young. Um, my task as a child was to gather bait for my father and all his friends to go catfishing at Pay Lakes. So now I'm like, I despise that these days. I don't know why, but <laughs> I was just, it was just beaten to me so, so much as a kid just to go grab bait. And, but I just, I, I grew up my passion from there and I learned so much about like just observation of fish, hab, uh, fish, fish behavior and creek systems. Cause you, typically they're so, sh they're so shallow and clear and you mm -hmm. can watch these fish in their environment and, and do it for a long time. And I think over, over the years and the decades I spent in the creek, I expanded slowly, went downstream, finally started fishing the Great Miami River probably when I was like 12 or 13 years old. Caught tons of big smallmouth when I was just just seventh or eighth grade, man. And it was it was awesome. It was an awesome time and it just it just got crazy from there on out. I, I fished throughout high school, hardly had any friends. Uh, <laughs> cause I everybody would go, everybody would go do their thing and you know, high school, you know. But I was like, I just want to go to the river. So I'd walk like three miles down to the GMR and just wait it and hit the couple tributaries that I loved when I was when I was younger. And that's all I did, man. So here we are today. I'm 34 years old and still doing the same stuff. So that's that's where it all began. That's where the passion grew for me. I didn't realize you were fishing the GMR that long. Oh, dude, I've been fishing it for a very long time. Yeah. Huh. That's yeah, because cool. I grew up. I grew up in Middletown. Um, started fishing it when I was when I was probably yeah twelve or thirteen years old. So I was super young. How long has the or uh, not how long? How much has the river changed since since you first started fishing it? I don't think the river. Is, I think it's improved. Um, yeah. I don't. But also my fishing, my angling, and my experiences an angler is just gotten so so advanced to this day just the past four or five years it's gotten i've gotten so much different i used to just throw a spinning rod and now i'm throwing all kinds of crazy stuff but i think our river system and the gmr is fantastic i think it's super healthy um i think the human population around the river has changed a little bit yeah i don't, I don't recall some of the stuff i see nowadays on the river banks uh when i was younger you know <laughs> he's talking sure about needles <laughs> needles talking and about, all and the human stuff. human poop you, you want to know it. what i saw on the river last year yeah i i know exactly what you saw that's why i was that's what i was referring to <laughs> pickle park yep was that last yeah, we, year yeah, that was September last year. Oh man, I thought that's I for crazy. Some reason thought it was earlier this year. No. Oh man, that that trip can't get far enough away in my brain. So we we <laughs> talked about that on paddle and fin, so we could talk about it on here too if we want. So me I mean, and Matt were going down a river here in Dayton, and it's like in the middle of nowhere in the woods, and like all of a sudden I look over and I just see like two dudes in the woods. One's bent over and the ones behind them. The other guy has his pants down. I was just like, what the heck did I just see? Well, I'm behind Brad. Like, we're on this stretch of river that it looks really good, but it ended up being, like, stupid fast. 
So in really shallow. In really shallow. So we're trying to fish where we can. Current's moving quick. We didn't have the motors at this point. And uh, we're going, and Brad's, I don't know, what, maybe 40 yards in front of me. Yeah. And I hear, like, he just turns around. He's like, what's that? Like that, like, pointing <laughs> over. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I didn't see anything other than I heard what sounded like a deer breaking every tree. Stop. And something Stop. running away. And I was like, what was that? And I get up to him. I was like, what was running away? Did you see, like, a big deer? He's like, no, it's two dudes, like, going at it. And I was like... <laughs> What like like what? fighting? Are they were they fighting? <laughs> no, I, I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, one was bent over this pants down. I was like, oh no, oh god! And I think I yelled something. I yelled something stupid, and uh, we just kept floating. And me and Brad, we get done. We get in this little, I wouldn't even call it a lake, like a mud pond that's big and super shallow and poop. And uh, Brad was like, yeah, we're never going to do that again. And I was like, I know, I don't want to do that again. We're fine. So. Yeah. yeah, it was. Ugh. Everybody it was, recreates like, differently on the riverbank, I guess. I guess, man. It wasn't even like it was on the bank. It was like back in the woods, <laughs> in, in the, the woods. thicket. Like it couldn't oh. have been comfortable. But whatever. I mean, ugh. people can do whatever they want to do. I guess. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. But anyway, yeah. uh oh. let's let's talk creeks, man. Because I know. Yeah. Creeks are a lot different than rivers. So uh, we want to we want to focus on the creeks this episode. So when Absolutely. you're when you're going like let's just paint a scenario when you're going somewhere you've never been before and you're trying to find a creek, what what's like the first thing you're looking for? Um typically I just want to see if there's enough water like from a Google Maps perspective. But sometimes you'll be surprised when you're looking at a creek on Google Maps and actually see it in person that there's a lot more water there than you see mm-hmm. because of like the riparian zone and the trees covering the covering the images from satellite view. But um, yeah, just seeing if there's, you know, there's public parks that I can access. Um, I, I like to see if if you can see the creek, I like to see laydowns like tree laydowns and stuff laying in the creek. Typically that that uh, identifies like scour holes and water depth transitions and stuff like that you can you can gather a lot of information just at looking at a creek from the satellite image Mm -hmm. but um looking at the body of water where that creek goes into is super important too so like if you have a very good river smallmouth fishery and there's a tributary that connects to it more than likely you're going to have some good smallmouth in that creek so you know whatever whatever is around that creek is super important and then once you get there and get eyes on the creek and you start walking around it um i like to see creek chubs i like to see crayfish you know those mm-hmm. those forage species that the smallmouth like to have and if you have you have those three factors you know typically you're in some good smallmouth water a lot of people don't realize it yeah it what why do you think that is like for for a creek to be connected to like a bigger like better river system why, why do you think that makes the creek better even if you're like 20 miles up right i, I don't know I, I think when those creeks and stuff flood over the years i think fish seek refuge in those creeks especially when the river floods when the river floods i'll always have a lot of success right at the creek mouths that are not you know as busted right some mm-hmm. some of the creeks that do flood sometimes they'll flood and they're still kind of clear they're slower moving, so those fish like to go up in there and seek refuge. And I think just sometimes they get up there and they're like, 
I got all I need to live here. I got big boulders, riprap. I got forage species. There's no point really in going back out to the river. Yeah. Um, that's what I personally think because I've, over the years, I've caught the same fish in the same creek within the same 20 yard stretch. Like they make, they make home territories in these little creeks mm -hmm. and they got the cover. They got the tree cover. Um, the creeks typically stay cooler because of that. Um, the riparian zone is super important. And most of the creeks that I fish, they have the riparian zone, which is that first like 50 to 75 yards of creek bank is usually vegetation, very immature vegetation. And it often overhangs the creek and, you know, produces shade and keeps yeah. it cooler in the summertime and stuff like that. So that's why I think the smallmouth like it a lot. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it does make sense. And from our episode, um, for everyone out there, if you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to the episode when we had Torrin on. Um, he talked about the things smallmouth like need. Um, mm. And if they have all four things, which is a place to hunt, cool oxygenated water, place to bed, and then like good. What was the fourth one? I think it was cover. Like if they have all of that, there's no reason for them to leave. So like what you're right. saying, when that river floods and they go up into that creek for refuge, if they find the four things they need, why would... I'm the same park as you. Why would I leave if I was if I'm there? A, there's probably compared to the river. While the river's bigger, the creek probably doesn't have as much competition. Um, especially if you're a bigger, they're fish the biggest, baddest fish in there. Yeah, they're yeah, the biggest say, fish in there typically. Because you can imagine, like me and Brad, we went on uh, like a little we uh, spot hopped 14 spots last year at one point, just going somewhere. And we went to this little creek and we kept seeing like little small mouth and other things going around. If you can you imagine, Brad, when we were there, if you just saw 17 inch small mouth swimming around, there'd be nothing. Yeah, that's like going after it. Like it's right. it's safe because predators aren't really there. It has first dibs on everything because it'll just eat everything else that gets in its way. So, yeah, I mean, why would they leave once they get up there? Yeah, I think it's super fast. <clears throat> I think it's super fascinating. Sorry. Um the quality of fish that you can catch in such skinny water here. And it's, and that's Crazy. something I've noticed across the country, you know, people Creek fish all over the place and they just catch these giant fish in these smaller systems. And I think it's super, super fascinating that these big fish like that choose these places to live. I think it'd be an interesting research topic in the future for somebody to tackle, but I just always found it fascinating. And that's what always kept me coming back to the creeks. It's like, if I can go to the Creek and do a 100 yard stretch and there's four or five deep holes, and I can fish all those within five or six hours and more than likely catch an awesome fish. You know, that's, that's pretty nice. A pretty nice day getting wet, you know, staying cool in the summertime. Absolutely love it. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I got to remember, like, cause when the river floods, me and Matt tend to not go hit the river at all. And we tend right. to hit the same pond that has large mouth and it gets kind of boring Right. So, I, like next time the river floods, I think we need to go find some creeks. Yes. And wade that water because you know in the summertime, like you said, it feels good jumping in there. Yeah. The water's yeah. not going to be as dirty and it's not going to be as high. I did. I do notice like with some of the creeks around me that like they rise real quick, but then they drop really quick too. Yes. Yep. Pretty. Cool. Yes. Sometimes those creeks will only they'll only come up because they're you know their system only takes so much water during a rain event or something. And once that water's flushed out, it's good to go. 
I mean, the river, you know, it's going for hundreds of miles. You got all that influence from all different feeder creeks and all kinds of different places upstream. It's like it could take days, sometimes weeks, especially down here on the Hawking River. It can take forever for that thing to get back down to normal. Huh. I've never been on that river, so I don't really. Y'all need to come out. I know. We do. I agree. I'm I'm tired. I'm tired of y'all. Look, you got on the paddle and fin. You said you're going to go do the Raccoon Creek event one day. Hey, it's in a couple weeks. Come down here, dude. It'll be fun. What, what's the date on it? I think it's not this weekend, but the following, the 12th. Oh, I might be. I'm, I'm free that weekend. I think I might actually be, too. I mean, <laughs> I'll take you guys on a float. We can go do a sweet float, man. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. Raccoon Say, Creek's having that. They're they're having that little kayak tournament, and they're having a nice little uh, get together at Raccoon Creek. It's a pretty cool experience. Um, I think kayak anglers of Northeast Ohio is coming down. Mm-hmm. They're bringing all their anglers down, so it's going to be a cool event. I wonder if Steve's going to be there. Steve Baker. Man. I don't, he he fishes the Canio. Does he? Stuff. Yeah. 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 I know they're. All, I know a lot of them are going to come down here. I think so. Yes, Steve's one of our uh, team guys at Loveland. So, oh, okay, cool. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might, he might be down. We'd have to, we'll have to text him and ask him if he's coming down or not. That'd be cool. But, um, let's see where we want to go with this. So, it, once you've gotten to a creek, you know, you already said you use Google Maps, which I there's there's guys I've talked to who are like, yeah, you guys do, you know, Google Maps. Well, I was like, why wouldn't I? A, eh? that's stupid. You're dumb. So you do Google Maps to see what if it's even viable to be worth your gas. You get there and you start, you know, you're seeing the forage and stuff. You you find a place to put in. What's kind of your first thing? Like we're getting you're there. It's new. You want to kind of pick it apart and either find mm-hmm. a pattern or try to mimic something. What are you doing? Yeah. First off, I'm mimicking the forage that I that I've like observed from the creek, and then I'm looking for ambush points where smallmouth will typically set up in current and. Y'all know once you've fished moving water for so long, it just becomes subconscious at that point. Mm-hmm. You kind of, you can kind of call your shots almost, especially in a creek. Like I said earlier, there's only a few spots, you know, that might have like knee deep water. Um, you look for those spots that have knee deep water. You have like a log hanging over or something like that. All of a sudden it's created like a little eddy in the back. That's, that's, that's the money right there. You throw like, you know, you find you throw the little swim bait or something like that and just burn it across that log you're probably going to get hit more than likely if there's mm-hmm. smallmouth in that creek so just looking for those high percentage areas um looking for predatory birds like herons and stuff where are they setting up at in the creek have they found like a school of bait fish you know because they all they all go after the same stuff so um just looking for those high percentage areas once you're in the creek that's that's probably a huge huge thing yeah, I want to I want to real quick pause because you were the first person other than me that I've heard vocalize looking for herons and other birds. I do that every time me and Brad go out, we'll be going like we'll be next to each other and I'll look and be like, hey, there's a heron. Which automatically tells me there's something there. It's eating. Right. So why wouldn't smallmouth exactly. be there? A lot of guys you've heard some people I've heard some people say, oh, no, bird, you can follow birds, but it doesn't do anything. I've been on big water. It's not necessarily herons, but other predatory birds. Mm-hmm. And you can fo- follow a flock of birds. We did at Dale Hollow two years ago. We saw a flock of birds going into a cove. I went into the cove. That was the one I had to lift my motor up on and all that fun crap while you guys were, I don't know, half a mile up the uh, the river. And I pulled it up right from Eastport Marina, pulled up my motor, 
butt scooted my boat across a little sand shoal and I saw these birds flocking and like diving in and I just started throwing a jackhammer. Oh my goodness. Hammered. Hammered. Yeah. Yeah, he caught like and three I, or four in that spot. Yeah. I mean, and it was, I literally, I was behind all of them. I was having a bad day. I had, I think I caught a Ned rig fish and I was, it wasn't even a catch. Like I didn't purposely do it. I was just burning a Ned rig back and this like little tiny fish grabbed it, jumped in the boat, <laughs> came undone and jumped out of the boat. And I was like, whatever, I don't even care. And they were all way far ahead of me. Cause I was just being all mopey and I saw the birds and I was like, you know what? Birds. And I just well, went and started catching fish. <laughs> yeah. Like if you talk to anybody that fishes salt water, especially big water, they are always following the birds. Like mm-hmm. they are always looking for flocked mm-hmm. birds, seagulls, pelicans, all that stuff. Like, so why would that not apply in freshwater? That's my thought, you know, exactly. and it actually does because I, I follow the birds and I'll, I'll find fish all the time and you'll get to know, you'll get to know a great blue heron, you know, they're, they're such an old speed. They're such an old animal. Like they live for years and years and they become familiar with the river and a perspective you've never even, you know, can realize like these fit, these birds, dedicate their lives to just a couple spots and once you know where they're at every morning you'll go there and i'll fish beside the same great blue heron you know for years it's the same Mm -hmm. one you can see marks on its face you know it's got scars something like that and it's like if this bird is here obviously the smallmouth are here because this is you know and and then in the creeks you know you'll look at um like the shoot i can't the the kingfishers the belted kingfishers that we have you'll see them smack the water you're like oh shoot there's bait fish over there you go through a little jerk bait or something a little helger might let it drift but yeah dude follow the birds in the creek and the rivers that's a huge huge tip anyway yeah. lakes too it, it's cool i wish i could pull up this video because i got video of a blue heron just sitting in the water and i i get the video of him reaching down and catching a little catfish like a six or eight inch catfish and he he just swallows it <laughs> it was awesome they're savage man there's oh, yeah. i love them i love them yeah. I watched one eat like a 12 inch saw guy one time perched up. It was perched up on a rock and I was 15 yards from him and he went down and it was a saw guy. It was like a 12, 13 inch saw guy. I was like, Oh shoot, man. That's awesome. That's crazy. <laughs> Dude, birds, birds are savage. Like They're this savage, has nothing to, I mean, a little bit, but like we have a lot of Eagles and stuff here. And I remember I was going out on a stretch where me and Brad, there's, there's, I don't know where they nest, but we always see them there. And, uh, I was just staring at it, not paying attention to my bait. And I just watched it come down and grab, I don't know if it was a chub or something. It was a good sized fish. Just grab and fly away. And I was like, man, that was just, that was gnarly. It's like, you didn't even see, like it had just rained. The water was stained, like stained. I couldn't see like three inches down. And this thing just came 50 feet in the air, grabbed fish and then flew away. And I was like, what? You, you ever so. see those birds like dive towards your lure after you cast it in the air oh yeah Dude, yeah the little, the little the little the little green herons yeah i have i've had one like come out and like swoop right down on my lure i'm like dude that's a bad day for you yeah i've caught i'm, I've terrifi- caught I'm terrified dude i'm terrified like if it was like a great blue heron was hit that thing's like three foot tall with like a 12 inch blade on the side of its face like yeah yeah no i've i've caught a bird it was in north carolina in brackish water and it was a seagull <laughs> and I was I was back in and it came down and it hit a whopper plopper one like 50 like the big sucker and it got all hung up and I was with my buddy in his little pond hopper boat we shouldn't have been on this there's gators that were bigger in our boat and I was oh, like my goodness sitting there and my rods going crazy as this thing's trying to fly and everything and I was like dude I don't even know what to do he was like I mean you always cut your line I was like that's like a $30 whopper plopper I'm not cutting my line 
<laughs> so I'm getting it closer and closer and closer. And then I finally got, it. I mean, he was, he was hooked like through the foot. Oh, the stupidest thing. And I had to hold him and he kept pecking my hand. Dude, it sucked. <laughs> it sucked. So now I hate it. If I see birds around, I'll like, I will, I'll skip a jerk bait. I don't care. I'm yeah. skipping it. <laughs> getting in the water as fast as it can. That's funny. No, I, I completely agree about that. I've seen birds diving and stuff at the water. I don't know what they're grabbing, but I, I've cast over there. There's one spot I have in mind. I cast over there and, you know, you catch a fish. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, Let's go to gear and stuff. Cause when I was texting you and before we started our uh, Creek fishing adventure, you were like, bring one, bring one rod. He's, and then you said, make sure it's the right choice. And I'm like, Oh, putting me on the spot. I don't know what I want to bring now. So yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Tip when I'm in the creeks, man, I'm I'm on a like I'm on a roll. Like I'm I'm not trying to stop for a long time. I'm trying to hit the high productive areas. If there's no fish, move to the next one, move to the next one, you know. Um so and carrying two rods, I've learned is just it's so annoying. And then especially like in the creek I took you, Brad that water can be up to waist and nipple deep, you know, like you don't have, and I want to have the ability to, if I am walking through that depth of water to fish at the same time, if you got two rods in your backpack on, you can't really like fish while you're doing that. So typically I'll, I'll stay with something that's like universal. I'll stay with a rod, like a, like, for example, I've been throwing the casting rods recently the past year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. And if I'm throwing a casting rod, I'll, I'll just, uh, I have like the, um, multi-purpose rods the daiwakage um what is it i think it's just a multi-purpose daiwakage it's like a seven three medium heavy um i'll I'll typically put a seven or eight to one or even my zillion on those with like 12 pound test fluorocarbon um if i'm going with spinning rod i'll I'll typically go with a 610 to 71 medium extra fast spinning rod that's something i can throw a little popper on like you were doing brad and or I can throw the Helgramite, which is one of my favorite Creek presentations. Um, mm-hmm. So as far as gear, just stay light, you know, take a backpack. I, I, t- I have a lot of camera stuff with me. Well, not a lot, but I carry a lot of extra stuff that's not really necessary. But take a little backpack, a couple little Plano uh, boxes with some, with a variety of different lures that you that your rod can handle. So a little popper, a little crankbait. You were throwing a little crankbait, Brad, and having some success with that. Mm-hmm. You want you want to tell the folks how you how you lost probably the biggest fish of the day in the creek on, on your crankbait or what? <laughs> yeah, dude. So I think about that spot all the time ever since that trip because that spot looks really good. So yep. we were on the inside bend of a of this creek, and we were casting towards the outside bend of it. It's probably six to eight feet, nine mm-hmm. feet deep over there, and there's a big lay down there, and you you just know there's fish over there like just by looking at the spot i'm like yeah right so yeah. i ended up casting that uh what was it a strike king 1.5 i think sexy shad i think mm-hmm. threw it over there towards the edge of it and like cranked it down a few times and he smacked it well i fought that thing and he i got him real close to probably six feet away and he ended up jumping brian got it on camera it's on youtube Yep. And he jumped and spit it. And I just like looked over and I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> it was weird because he's like, he jumped like four feet out of the water, like 10 feet from my face. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 
and he he spit it when he went back down and started digging again. That was weird to me. Usually they spit it when they're up in the air, but he went back yeah. down. You're fighting him for a second, then he spit it. I was like, that was interesting. But on that video, actually, you can see in my co- the corner left of my screen where your crankbait hit right above that right above that laydown. I was like, oh, that's a good cast on the it, on the up current side of it. Yeah, on the up yeah. current side, you're bringing it across. And what happened was, uh, I think I was there a couple weeks ago. I had seen one that was probably 17, 17 and a half inches up in that up in that little area, just cruising, like cruising that bank over there. And I was like, oh, he's that'd be crazy if he got that. And you, sure enough, you hooked up with a giant. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that was crazy, man. That was cool. Uh, the reason why I mentioned the up up uh, side current of the uh, laydown is because mm-hmm. Drew Gregory says. You always want to cast on the upside and the backside. The upside will have more aggressive fish when they're feeding. Right. So I always thought that was interesting. Yep. So when as you're going down it, make sure you're casting there, casting in the middle, and right behind it. Yeah, because those those predatory fish, they're trying to conserve energy, right? And they're not going to sit there in the current and waste a bunch of energy because they're just they're losing on so much so they're going to try to find little areas little eddies that they can hide behind where they're just kind of chilling and as that current's going past them on the left or right or over top you know they can just reach out and grab what they need and then go back into the little hole to recover from all the from all the swimming and stuff like that but yeah think simple think when you're taking your gear be simple be concise and just be on the move and uh yeah Matt, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but when we're on the river, do you, you ever notice when I'm casting at the front of a bridge as we're floating by it? Yeah. That's that's one of the reasons why I do it, because they, they, yeah. the aggressive ones like to sit up on the front of those. Yeah, I was about to say, they'll sit there. It's the same concept that I, I have, especially when I'm like, what day did we go out? Saturday? Yeah, Saturday. Yeah. Um, we were going through those riffles, and... Uh, it was the one that kind of it swung out to where it got shallower, and it was like not an, I wouldn't say an eddy because it was mostly just shallow water, but I was floating over there and I just casted behind. It's the same concept in my mind because I do the same thing with those with the bridges you throw to the upside. Same concept when I'm going through like an eddy or something. If I see that, I'll cast it up there and let it kind of drift right back in the current. And you usually can watch fish dart out, grab it, mm-hmm. and then they immediately like u-turn or 180 right back because they're trying to get like what you said brian they're trying to go back and relax after they just expended a great burst of energy to Mm -hmm. get you know uh uh prey or whatever so you i mean i caught three doing that just finding different spots i know they're sitting in probably it's slow moving water let the current take it right past it and then they come out hit it u-turn it half the time they'll hook themselves because they u-turn so quick yeah which is awesome because sometimes they can take you a little surprise by uh hitting the bait but oh yeah especially if you're throwing like a treble bait or something like that try not to like hook set them because one they're, they're putting so much force you got that current yeah. you got the fish's force going into it just kind of lean into them and they'll, they're going to hook themselves pretty good typically that's yeah. one of my favorite things man that's probably one of the best feelings is like when you read the water and something actually happens happens like when, you, yep. when, when you read it you like you throw it in the current seam you're like you got that feel like oh yeah this is good you're seeing your little crankbait or jerkbait in that in that seam and all of a sudden just the shadow comes out and smokes it <laughs> oh that's probably the best feeling in, on the planet man dude I, I love it when we're floating doing a float or something going downstream we actually get out of the boats and we like park the boats when we're walking and i'll do that especially in riffles with like a joshy or 
a Kai Tech or something style bait, throw it out there yeah. and you'll watch it swim. You'll swim it back real slow as the current takes it and you'll see something come out of nowhere and just dog bone it. <laughs> it is awesome. But on your point of treble baits, you know, don't set the hook. I promise this is a little tidbit for everyone at home. If you ever fish with me, you're going to watch me throw a jerk bait or crank bait or swim bait. And I'm going to macho man set that hook <laughs> because I forget I what that. I'm throwing. <laughs> yes. And you know, what's funny is I did that on their new river just recently. Um, and I look back at my footage. I was like, what? Dude, I missed like a couple fish on a popper that were like probably really nice fish. Yeah. And like I was like laying into them. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what? What's wrong? It's yeah. hard, man. It, it, and dude, it's, I've you're... never been able to get over it. When I, yeah. the first time I ever got hooked like real, real bad, I got a treble through my shirt into my skin, like right up here near my collarbone. And it was a crankbait. And I was just swimming it back and forth. This again down North Carolina. I was actually on base on Lejeune. I wasn't supposed to be fishing, so that was probably Chesty saying, "Go back, do some work." But I didn't. <laughs> and I was fishing, and I felt it, and it hammered. I was like, "What?" I just forgot what I had, dude. I reeled down everything, and it just it came out of the fish's mouth, hit me, and hooked the crap out of me to where I like went back to my barracks, and I was like, "Hey, Doc, I need this out." And he was like, of course you do. And he had it. It was a whole thing. But uh, yeah, but yeah, man, I promise I will macho hook set everything I can find. I don't care. Dude, I've broken many a spinning rod doing stupid stuff. I that video that we did a few weeks back where you just set the hook with the trace when the river was muddy. <laughs> dude, he laid in that fish so hard. I was like, oh, my God. well, this is why it was only no. a few feet away, too. It's like, it, yeah, yeah, dude, I was like six feet away or something. I wasn't paying attention and I was in current. So I was Scared trying to catch you. up with the current and it, it's not the hit. I didn't even feel the hit, which is what surprised me. But it came out of the water. You can't see it on camera, but it, it came out. of. The, you can hear it. And all you hear is. Yep. seeing it is that trace is going back and forth in this fish's mouth so that it jumped and i was like oh and i just set the hook man and i was that's the whole time uh, brad had to put some funky music over it because i was like oh 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 no oh no and then i thought dude it was oh man it was and then i couldn't get the hooks out because i set it in so deep that like was it was awesome, oh dude, dude it was rough but it's cool it made for a cool clip yeah that was it a did. cool clip man yep you guys have been doing having all kinds of cool clips on youtube man appreciate it hey we're just, work. it is a lot of work and i don't know if we're doing it right but it's whatever thank just, you Ar. Just, thank you Ar. just wait till we uh no longer care what's said on the videos because <laughs> you guys are missing a lot of funny stuff <laughs> i don't know if they'll ever get to see those parts probably not maybe we'll do like a a premiere they'll be up on youtube for like 30 minutes to watch <laughs> yeah you're in bloopers. That would be funny. That would be funny. That would also probably get us canceled by the 200 people that listen to us. So, well, probably not. Most of them are degenerates like us, so it's all right. It works. Yeah. yeah, dude. The folks that watch your stuff, you know, they're watching it for a reason. So it's very true. Very true. But unite. Uh, man, so I want to go back and talk about like the setup stuff. So I had a hard time picking, man. I don't know, like you said medium heavy, and I was just like fast action, medium heavy, yeah, fast I action. Yeah. I don't know if I want to bring that. You know, well, it all depends on what you want to throw that day. Yeah. Like, but those, like I said, those rods I have, I'll typically throw like the the Helgramite on it, like the medium heavy fast action uh, casting rod, the Kage. It's the all around rod. And now that I think of it, it's called the all around. So I can basically throw anything. It does have a lot of backbone, but 
those creek smallies, man, they're just as mean as those river smallies. And mm-hmm. you can lay the wood on those creek smallies just as hard. Like, especially with um, when I'm throwing, like, uh, like the big hugger mite right here, putting that on a jig head or something like that. Yep. You can you can throw that on, like, a 316-ounce rugby jig head and just fish it like a jig. And you can freaking lay into them, dude. Yeah. And it, the thing that I was having trouble, like, deciding between was my – 7.2 medium fast uh, spinning rod or my 7.2 medium fast casting rod. And they're completely different. Actually, the other one's extra fast, my bad, the spinning. And uh, like Matt Matt knows, we've talked about it. My 7.2 uh, medium fast rod, it kind of acts similar to like a BFS type rod. So I could throw light stuff on it. Yeah, I can throw heavier stuff on it. So I was really torn. Like I was like, I don't know which one I want to bring. I know. I told I told Brad. I was like, bring one rod. He gets in my car. I got two rods. He's like, you got two rods. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, I bring two right in my car because you're fishing steep banks. You're trying to yeah. crawl down in these creeks. Sometimes you break a rod. So I like to bring an extra rod with me in the car just in oh, case geez. something crazy like that happens. But Brad is known to break any and all rods, no matter who makes them, they break. <laughs> uh, but going off kind of, you know, I'm, I'm the same thought of, of Brian. Now, Brad, I don't, I'm sure you did a ton of bank fishing really before you dove into the kayak scene, mm-hmm. but that's pretty much all I really did for a long time. And the medium heavy, I mean, it does everything, especially with like the Douglas uh, 744F. That can go down to what a quarter. As yeah, a I'm just medium thinking. heavy, and it goes up to an ounce and a half. The yeah. only difference, Brian, what you said, you threw a 12 pound fluoro. Have you ever played with just throwing straight braid for everything? You know what? Since I started using casting gear, I I don't know why, but I'm super afraid of throwing braid to fluoro on casting gear because when i hook set dude it's like i'm afraid of it just snapping yeah because it's like now that i got this casting gear you know i'm like trying to dig that hook into them like pretty good and i i I just i don't know man i just went to straight fluorocarbon Mm -hmm. um my braid to fluorocarbon knot could probably be improved i use the the um what do i use i can't even know what it's called now alberto no, it's a simple FB. knot. No, it's uni to uni or something. The uni, like that. uni, the uni knot. Yep, that's what it is. See, I haven't even tied it. Those are the two so. most common knots. That's why I figured it yeah. was one of them. Yeah, but I'll I'll, I'll throw it on my spinning gear because I'm typically not like super hard on the hook sets with my spinning gear. But yeah, I'll throw a braid on my spinning gear. I'll usually go with like a ten pound braid to a ten pound fluorocarbon leader on my spinning gear, and that's. And that's good for the river and the creeks too. Yep. So if I'm wading a creek and want to go down to the river, that's I'm good to go with just that one rod. So yeah, I don't see the point of throwing braid to a leader on a bait caster. I mean, yeah, unless I mean, what unless I you're top water like a frog, straight yeah, braid or a little no popper leader. or something. I don't know. Well, what I was saying, if you go like for me, if when I if I'm when I do this, it's gonna be I bring a medium heavy and it will be straight braid all the way through because I can throw everything that sinks and I can yeah. throw all my top water on it too. And I don't have to worry about leaders or anything along those lines. Gotcha. Uh, it's going to set the hook, right? Because it's literally no stretch. So I'm right. The negative with braid is you can sometimes pull the hook straight out their face, but you know, that's sometimes you got to deal with that. But I mean, that's just what I was asking. See if you ever had done that. Cause I'm typically, I don't throw any leaders 
Unless it's like spinning, I do. But all my yeah. bait casters, they are all fluorocarbon or they are mono for top. Water. I was about I to say, have... yeah, if, if I was going to do top water, like a little uh, walking bait of some sort, I'll probably just do like a, I don't know, 14 pound monofilament or something like that. Yeah, yeah that's what I have on my cast or uh, uh, crankbait rod. I put mono on it. Yeah, I like that little extra stretch, but right. I don't know. I'm the same way. Like, I actually, when I first started fishing the river, I used straight braid because if you used to go to Big Joshy's website, they would say 15 pound braid and that's all you needed. Well, yeah, I disagree with that now. After yeah. fishing for a while, I'm like, straight braid is like fish, fish are definitely line shy for sure. So when I finally moved over to like straight fluoro on the bait casters and then like a leader, I noticed an uptick in catching fish. Yeah. And you're just not wasting as much time, man. Like if you do break off, you're not sitting there tying leader knots and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I've just kind of went with one or the other, Yeah, but I'll do it on the spinning rod with braid, which I don't know. I That's literally only do, it, I only do it on a spinning rod because my braid's yellow. And I can see that's well, it. I do. That's oh, it. If they, and if that's they made a highlighter yellow fluorocarbon, and then the last six feet were clear, <laughs> I, I don't need braid. I don't ever right. need it again unless I'm frog fishing. That's it. Yep. You know, Sunline's going to come out with something like that. Well, they, every they've they've all tried, but it's yeah. it's like the color that's in the fluoro is always it's like muted. It's yeah. not bright. Like I want. I really want the old school Power Pro highlighter pink. You can't find them anymore. It's annoying. There's a couple companies that make them, but they're like braid, like come buy our braid. And it's like right. shit from somebody's yeah. garage in China. <laughs> like yeah. it's a weird braid that you put it on. It hits water and it turns like green and all the color bleeds off. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like like super so bright that it hurts to look at. Yeah, because a lot of those bites on the spinning Ned rigs or even, you know, even a tube or anything like that, they can be so subtle Yep. to where all I know is I'm seeing my colored braid just move. That's all yep. it is. You That's don't a huge, feel weight. Yep. I always recommend, always recommend the highest fist braids that, that you can find. I have like electric blue braid, the power, power pro super slick V2 braid. Um, Good stuff. When I lived over in Japan, dude, I had, there was some cool braid, like some really good braid. There was this one braid that was like rainbow colored and like between every section, there was like a white piece and a black piece in the middle. It, oh. it was just super unique and very, very vivid. They had some of the coolest line over there. Well, that's Sunline Agassi is the braid I use. I mean, that's like Holy highlight smokes. with this late. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's super bright. I mean, it's 12 pound works great. And that stuff, when you see it move, the sunlight hits it and it does like this light on it. It just like makes mm -hmm. it, shine i need to steal some of that from you <laughs> feel free i need it well i'm getting ready to make an order and uh Ooh, there we go your, boy, your boy's got the hookup so uh oh nice yeah. boy that or uh i've been thinking and toying with just putting this on this so this is a mono it's oh, a floating wow. line it's sunline float it's fine float but i was thinking about putting this on for uh creek stuff a super highlighter but when it hits the water it mutes out real good yeah so, i don't know we'll see that's cool um so there part of this we didn't hit yet was like comparing creeks to rivers so like i know rivers like patterns in the rivers they can be completely different than 
patterns in a creek, it seems like in a creek that you're trying to find the deepest water possible to find fish. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case on a river. Like you can fish riffles on a river. It doesn't seem like that's the case in a creek. I mean, I've caught giant fish, dude, in 12 inches of water in the creek and the river. I think the biggest thing to take from both of those systems is how the fish set up. They're going to set up the same way. Um, they're going to utilize cover the same way. And that's why I think when you start creek fishing, all that information, all that knowledge, all that skill set that you've acquired in the creek, it's super transfer- transferable to a bigger water system because it's literally the same thing. It's just mm-hmm. you're looking at something super up close. Now times it by 100 and then you're going down to the river and doing the same stuff. Um, I think I think they utilize the creek just the same as river fishing. Um, I, I've had success with the same techniques in the creek as in the river. Um, but you, you, you're right in the fact that you have, you have to find that depth though. Like you, you're not going to, you're not going to wait a stretch of Creek. That's only eight inches deep. And there's not really any like type of structure or cover or anything like that, because those fish are going to fall predatory to all the birds or fall prey to all the birds around, you know, you have all those, the same bird species in that river, in that Creek that are going to you know, predate on this smallmouth. They're not going to just chill in 12 inches of water, super clear water. In fact, you know, where this, where everything can see them, they're going to need something that they can stick tight to and, and hide from everything. Um, yeah. yeah. So just finding that depth is key in the Creek. And it's like you said, magnified in the river, which makes a lot of sense because like, if you come across like a real deep stretch, probably like 15 feet deep, they could be anywhere in between the riverbanks. Right. Like I've caught a mid river. I've caught them up against the bank. It just depends on your conditions. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. The bigger system, those fish are going to be spread out a lot more and you're going to be in a target rich environment, but in a Creek, you know, you might only have one log. Like do you, if you remember Brad in that, in that, uh, trip I took you out on in my video, I, I, I said, Hey, when we get up to this spot, there's an overhanging tree that sits in the, in the Creek and it's the only one in that stretch. And I was like, there's going to be fish on it. And like, I had like, I caught one fish, lost another one. Do you remember that spot? Yeah, where the rock bass were. Yeah, where the rock bass were. And then that tree was just lay- laying in from the yeah. from a steep bank in like five feet of water. It's literally the only one there. It's like, and I went there a couple weeks before super clear water. And I looked up underneath it. And dude, there was like three fish in there that were between 17 to 19 inches just chilling underneath this log. That's awesome. It was unreal, but they just, they just sit there. That's the only spot they stay. They'll come out in the mornings. They'll hunt in the mornings. They'll come out at night. They'll hunt at night. But once you, once you're able to distinguish those, those, those heavily used features in the Creek, you can become super successful and very effective. Good to know. Yeah. So you said, uh, you know, you use the same kind of tack techniques and tack ticks and techniques when you're going from the river to the creek is there anything that you kind of differentiate like anything at all like if you're going to the creek and is is there any different things like different presentations or do you size down or anything along those lines sometimes i'll size down in my leader with my uh, spinning gear like i'll go from like a 12 or something like that i might go down to an eight if i feel like they're line shy but man i've really i've really not noticed any difference in in the gear and presentations i use it's literally like i said we're, we're chasing the same species of animal here so they're all going to have the same same instinctual you know predatory habits so there's really nothing that 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 i change much like 
I've thrown this trace in the creek that I took Brad at, and I absolutely crushed him with this big bait, bigger bait, I guess you could say. And then I took the big Helgramite into the creek too, and I and I just did this a few weeks ago. I wanted to try it out. I was like, because now that I got this casting gear, I've kind of like branched off and started throwing all kinds of cool stuff, you know. And I'm like, I wonder if this stuff will work in the creek. It works in the creek just the same as it does in the river. It's it's unreal, dude. I absolutely love it. Yeah, that, that's yeah, so cool. Dope. Like I mean, I, Brad, you I, got I your like, you got your first glide bait fish, didn't you? Yeah, I was just about to say that. That was so cool catching a glide bait <laughs> fish in the freaking creek. Yes, dude. And it it was cool because I was working it back towards the bank, and I just saw him come out of the depths and just like, whoosh. oh, those are the best eats. Yeah. It's the best eats. It's the same thing as like you said, we talked about earlier. You throw the bait and you know, there's a fish there. It's a great cast. But when you're casting, uh, same thing happened to me last year on a float. I stopped, we go through a riffle. I stopped, there's a big log hanging there and I just started throwing my jig and I could see it. I'd get it on top of the log and I just rod tip it to where it just yep, fell just down. Falls the log. And you'd, see him, yep. you'd see him come up and crush it. And dude, I'd love, <laughs> I love watching the fish eat the bait. It's, it's amazing. Oh, so cool. That's And that's why creek fishing to me is so attractive, right? It's because you get to see it so much. You get to see everything all yeah. like all the time. You get to see your eats. You get to, Sometimes you get to see the fish like under the cover, like I was saying. Like I'll sit there and I'll just watch the fish. Like he's upstream just doing his thing, just chilling. I'll pitch a Helgramite like 10 feet in front of him, kind of drift right in front of his face. And I'll just like look over and be like, you're like, this is so damn cool, dude. Like <laughs> it's just, it's just so cool, man. I love it. It is cool, man. It got me fired up, dude. Because I like, I want to go. I'm hit so these, glad. I'm so crates. glad it. I'm. I'm so glad it motivated you guys. I want you now. You can go drag Matt through there and hopefully get, dude. There's giants in there. You seen it firsthand, Brad? We caught some big ones that day. Matt said he didn't know if he wanted to go out there because it's kind of sketchy. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, hey, hey, I'm fine with going. That, it's, that's the I, mindset I mean, that makes it all to yourself, man. You get sometimes you got to risk it for the biscuit. I, I mean, I'm fine with going. I, I exercise my Second Amendment all day long, so yeah. I, you know, I just don't want to end a, up on the news at night for you know shooting somebody. Hey. Uh, you know, it's fine. You you get in waist deep water and just walk across the creek. No one's gonna fall. Hopefully, no one follows you. But <laughs> yeah, I'll just go under. Yeah, and I'll just keep popping up in different spots. Stand in the middle of the river, throw your arms up. What you gonna do? Yeah, and then just go back under and pop up somewhere else. I say, oh and I gosh. carry a Glock, so I, I my first Brad, round, I'm fine. I can I go told Brad, I, I told Brad I had the piece with me, so we can. We'll be all right. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, what is this dude going to shoot me in the woods? Or something? <laughs> yeah. oh <my> God. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I, I remember telling Brian, we, we were like, probably like chest deep in the water and like cr- crouching under these uh, low hanging trees. I'm like, man, I feel like a Navy SEAL. We've been real stealthy and everything. Yeah, dude, we're just like crawling under. Water's up to here. We're just wading yep. through. <laughs> oh, only you. But hey. <laughs> hey, I felt the same way, Brad. You know, I feel like, you know, I'm in the Venezuelan jungle, you know, going after. <laughs> yep. You got the tiger stripe on. Yeah, I'm just, I got face just paint going, on, dude. I'm just going got after. A boonie, boonie hat on. Just, you know. Hey, I wore mine that day. Yeah, water dripping off as you come up <laughs> under the water. Yep. Some poor drug cartel is about to get dome rocked. 
But yeah, instead, it's the smallmouth getting whacked in the face with a giant hook. I'm about it. It's very relatable. Yes. I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh, man. It's been a good episode, but we did, we really didn't talk about your Hobie trip, man. I was about to say, yeah, real quick. Let's, uh, yeah. not even real quick. I mean, we, we, we've got a little bit. So you went down and did the Hobie. Yep. Kind of talk about that experience, you know, getting there and then the fishing and everything like that. Yeah. So, uh, the Hobie BOS event just included, um, down on the new river near Beckley, West Virginia. It was only two hours and 15 minutes from my house. So I was like, you know what? I want to go experience this. I've heard a lot of people talk about it. Um, it's just one of those things that's like, you got to experience it in life. I know my angling skills might not be up to competition with everyone else, but it's just like, man, I just want to go experience it. Right. So I was like, go down there. I went down there Wednesday night, woke up Thursday, pre-fished, um, looked at spots on Google maps. I did the same stuff that I would do for creeks, man. I was like, I looked at Google maps. I was like, this riffle looks good. There's a, there's a couple giant boulders on that bank that's touching current. So there's going to be some eddies there. Dude, I put in the first morning. Dude, I probably caught 20 fish on pre-fishing day on Thursday. I was like, heck yeah. I caught a 19-incher, the biggest fish of the trip. Unfortunately, it wasn't during the derb, but still, I caught a 19-inch smallmouth in a creek I've never been, or a river I've never been before. But man, that river was so dang beautiful, dude. Like, the scenery, like, I was down in this gorge, like, these giant car-sized boulders, like, the current, it's clear, um... The one class thing about three rapids or something, yeah, class three stuff that I didn't want to mess with, so I kind of stayed in between two of them. Yeah, um, dude, I heard so many stories like people just flipping and losing all their stuff. I'm like, that's not me, dude. I'm not here to lose all my stuff. So, yeah, I feel yeah. like I can catch some fish in this stretch, so I'm just going to kind of stay in this tame water a little bit. <laughs> no, yeah. but uh, I did something unique. Um, I, I, I drop shotted the Helgramite, the Nico Helgramite. I was drop shotting oh. it and I was throwing it in. This river was pretty cool because it would be like a riffle that's a foot deep, and then all of a sudden it would just be like, boom, seven feet deep. It was the weirdest thing. It would come down and just be like, drop off. And I had oh, used my cool. graph. I had used my graph, and I'm like, dude, this is pretty different. I'm not used to this. Like in the GMR, it's like kind of like tapers down, right? I've never yeah. seen like a drop off where it's just like, boom. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw the Helgramite on the, ne- on, the, on the drop shot and cast it up and just kind of let it fall over those – over those transitions dude and it, it would come down all of a sudden you just hold your rod up and all of a sudden it'd just be like boom as soon as that helper might went over those riffles dude it was wild caught a bunch of stuff on the drop shot i caught my big that big 19 incher just pitching this uh big helper might the obsidian helper around some uh cover um but yeah it was a fun time and day one came i had a lot of success in practice of catching you know 12 to 13 inches and to my surprise, everybody was struggling. Like a lot of folks were struggling just to catch keepers. And I was like, yeah. if I could just catch keepers, I could probably do pretty good in this tournament. So day yeah. one, I had like 67 and a half inches, which you're like, wow, oh, that's tiny. I was sitting middle of the pack with that. And a lot of folks didn't even have two or three fish and some mm-hmm. very, very good anglers. So I was like, you know what? This is cool, man. I'll, I'm going to go do the same stretch again, put in day two and drop shot and throw in a little swim bait was super effective too. Um, I had some topwater blowups on the popper where I was like, Matt, and just kind of just, just trying to send them into orbit. Yep. And I was like, what am I doing, dude? These were like, you know, a big blow up when you see one, like, you know, a bigger mm-hmm. quality fish. It's like, Ooh. And I was just like, I missed a couple of those. And I was like, dang, dude, one of those probably would have cashed me a check. Like if like my limit mainly consisted of like 13 to 12 and three quarter inches with like one fourteen and one fifteen incher. 
Um, I caught a bigger limit on day two, which was pretty cool. A lot of a lot of folks, you know, struggled to even catch a limit, but I actually improved a little bit just from learning from my day one on that river. But man, that place was so special, and it's only two hours and fifteen minutes from my house. I'm definitely going to have to go again. Um, like I said, I caught that 19 incher, which is just giant. And the guy I was fishing with, he was fishing with me on pre-fishing day. He caught a couple 18s in that stretch. I was like, okay, we're in some really good water, man. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, if you would have just caught a limit of 13 inches with one kick or like a 17, 18 inch, you're probably cashing a check. That was nuts to me. And I just, I just, I could never find that big one again. I could never find another big fish and I was doing the same stuff. So it's whatever. I ended up in 26 place out of a hundred and I'll, I'll definitely take it, you know, um, I was proud of that. I grinded my butt off for that limit. I think I only caught seven keepers on six or seven keepers each day. And it was, the river was slowly rising too, which I thought was going to be like really good. Like I looked back at my footage from practice to the last day and some of the rocks that I was fishing weren't even visible on the last day. So that river Mm. was coming up and it was getting a little bit dirtier. Typically in the rivers that we fish, when you, when that water's coming up, they're like on fire. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, yep. the second day, these fish are going to be absolutely wild, which I caught a slightly smaller limit that day on the last day, but it wasn't, I, I thought I was going to be like into them, but it was just, wasn't the case, yeah. but finished my limit up on day two at a new river system I've never been to before. And just utilizing Google maps, man, that's, that's such a important tool for folks to utilize as anglers. It's a free tool that you can use. Like, I was able to use that free tool and go somewhere foreign to me and be successful. So that's like, so it's like a huge thing. I, I always, I always preach it. A lot of folks preach it, but yeah, I had a good time, man. That river was really good to me. Caught a nice big one on practice. So I was, I was happy with all that. Yeah, I would be too. That's cool. Oh yeah, for sure. I know me and Brad, we talk all the time about wanting to get down to the new river and stuff. Um, it's just, that that river just seems over well not overwhelming it seems like intimidating because it's of the intimidating that, yeah. rapids it was a lot more intimidating like in my mind than what it was in person like there okay. are some very very bad rapids that you do not want to mess with uh-huh. but you can work your way around it man and that's another cool thing is there are so many access points um that you could float these stretches or get in between two riffles. And that's what my, my, my strategy was, was to get in between two major riffles, fish the upstream side of one and fish the downstream side of another without having to like risk losing all my stuff. Like, yeah, I was like, I'm just going to do this. I'm by myself. I don't have no one to float with me. So I just, I stuck to my guns and you know, I, I came out of there with pretty solid finish, I think. And I'll have that video up in the next week or so. So everyone can watch. Nice. Dope. That's cool. Oh, uh, let's see. One last thing. I forgot that I was going to share this meme at the beginning of the uh, show. Oh, gosh. So here it is. It says, settle the debate. Which is worse? Double rim, no net, no backboard, or torn net? Double rim, man. Double rim is trash. <sighs> yeah. I'm so used to using B growing up because I grew up in like a trailer park. So that's all we had was like no rim <laughs> or no net. So that was like, and when that ball goes through that hoop, it like goes anywhere. So it could go like, <laughs> there's no like focus point where you can grab the ball. It just goes wherever it wants. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll go double rim for sure, man. That's annoying. Yeah. Dude, I, yeah was, I was in between the double rim and the no backboard. <laughs> Yeah, I know that no backboard can lead to some great like little games though. Like yeah, horse, like a three sixty game. 
horse with a tw- well no no i'm talking about like no back row because it had it just on a wall didn't it yeah yeah n- there okay so let me enlighten you a little bit there is a european sport that just has a rim and no backboard and you can't dribble and you just pass and i mean they just sit there and they just it, it's the it's i tried watching it <laughs> and i wanted to like jump out my bedroom window oh, face first into the driveway i don't get it i was like this is stupid but that's a that's a thing uh but like when you had i i remember i was at a buddy's house and he had a, a really like it was like a really nice rim like the rim itself is like 300 dollars at dick sporting goods and his dad just tap conned it to the brick of the house and i was yeah. like this was this isn't smart but whatever he outlines outlines the backboard <laughs> Yeah, no, he went up the there. My, out of my buddy, my buddy went up there with uh, uh, chalk and just like chalked a big square every time we play because the rain would like wash it off. So he'd chalk it up and we, we would we would play and it would be like if you hit this brick wrong, it's gonna either go in the net or it's gonna come back at you three times as fast and mock hit you Jesus. in the mouth. Yeah, dude, mock Jesus right in the mouth. And but yeah, that wasn't as bad because that made some interesting horse games. Be like, hey, I'm going to hit it off the third brick, and we'd get the ladder, and I'd like star it. Like we hit that star, and it's going to got go your in. target. Yeah, man, it, it was it was fun. But yeah, double rims. Mm-mm, they're yeah. Dumb. I grew up with double rims at the park. They're awful. You, you're the ball looks like it's going in, then it'll bounce like 50 times, and then it pop out. Yep. So stupid. I hate oh, double rims. Man. Hey yeah. Matt, do you uh, do you go to any uh, Cleveland Browns games? Yes, I'm going to. I'm probably going to two or three this year. I know I'm going to the Cincinnati Bengal, the home game down here in Cincinnati's home game to the end in January. Yeah, going to the Tennessee Titan game this year with my dad. We should and go to then, the Niner game, dude, because I'm a huge Niner fan, and I want to go up there because they're coming into town. They come in, they come yep. to Ohio like every eight years, I think. So yep. last time they came down to Cincinnati, I went and watched that, and that was so awesome. But I'm right. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go up to Cleveland, dude. I'm sure. down, and it depends. Uh, how good they do the first like three or four games will depend on the ticket cost. So <laughs> yeah, me, and, me and Stacy went to the, it was one of the coolest games ever. The Browns won. Thank God. But we went to the Baltimore Ravens game uh, in the Browns game up there in December. It was like December 2nd or 3rd. It was like negative 15. My wife was about to say, gosh, thanks, man. That's right so- over the lake and everything. And she's sitting there like shivering. It starts snowing. It had a good it, dude. It was Oh, it was such a cool experience. Um, but yeah, tickets were like stupid cheap. So sometimes it works out that way. We'll see what happens. But no, I'm down to go. Come for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm probably show. definitely going to go up to there because I don't hardly ever get to. I know I'm a Niner fan in Ohio. I don't know why, dude. When I was little, watched Steve Young growing up, and yep. I, I was just a Niner fan ever since, dude. And now it's like whenever they come, I try to make it. I try to make it to their game either in Cincinnati or to the Browns. Steve, you oh, October fifteenth. Yeah, man, let's go. I'm down. Yeah, heck yeah, dude. That'd be fun. We'll cover that a little oh. bit more, but uh, yeah, I, I don't figure have anything I throw in that little. I just figure I throw in a little sports talk right there at the end because I thought that was an interesting debate thing I saw. Dude, it is, and that's that's something that can go on for like we could probably talk about that for an hour by itself. <laughs> probably, <laughs> but but we got to end it. We do. Good things only last so long. I know. Man. I don't know if this was a good thing, but you know, stay going, no, just funny boy. <laughs> uh, before before we end it, you want to do some shout outs where people can follow you on Facebook and Instagram and your YouTube channel. 
Yeah, um, I'm on YouTube. Been doing it for about four or five years. Uh, the Creek Crawler. Um, I do um, same thing on Instagram. The Creek Crawler on Instagram. I've been dabbling in that the past couple years. Um, I really like making the videos. I don't necessarily like posting on Instagram all the time. I, I just I don't know why. It just I don't know. It's, it's just annoying. something. Yeah, like trying trying to do it every day. I'm just like, nah. I'll just do it every couple of days or something like that. Just yeah put something on there but you know it's necessary if you want to grow your social media you gotta you gotta post a lot so that's the thing with the videos too i try to at least put one out one out a week that's what i can manage at this point in my life so yeah it's working out yeah i mean you got a pretty good following so i didn't realize you had that many yeah i think i'm seven thousand six hundred and fifty something right now that's pretty good yeah it's been a grind it's been a grind man if y'all Anybody listening and wants to start a YouTube channel, it's 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 definitely more than likely not going to happen overnight. It's something you have to put a lot of effort and time time into and produce a product that people want to watch. Don't just throw yeah. something on there, you know. Don't half-ass it because that's what I did at first, and those videos are so damn cringy. Like, I was like, why? <laughs> what was that? I, if I would have just used an extra 20, 30 minutes, you know, edited yeah. a little better – but that's something you learn over time too. But yeah. you guys are doing great videos too, man. I enjoy watching your YouTube videos. Thanks, say, slowly we, but surely. We doubt a Brad is somewhat of a perfectionist, and B, our friend been doing YouTube for a while. So we just asked all of you, "Hey, is this good?" Like I remember, I think Brad had asked you like our second video. He's like, "Hey, what do you think?" And you're like, "Yeah, it's. I mean, it's good. You can change this and this and." You're like, oh, cool. So we did it. We just have a leg up because everyone we know has been doing YouTube for longer. And, right. Uh, and that's super my, important. My feedback. Oh, yeah. And my hat's off for Brad. For everyone who doesn't know, Maddie Boy does very little editing. Uh, <laughs> that part of my brain was never developed, I guess. I don't know. I edited the RVR video and I screwed up the title. So, I, you know, I just, I just I enjoy do what it. I can. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it. It's fun. It's cool. It's a way to, you know, express a little bit of your creativity side. And yep. you guys have an awesome intro. It's pretty cool. I like that. I need to create something like that. But and, yeah. well, I could I could help you out if you want. But uh, I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> it's whatever. Not important. Ah, I go. Maybe I'm uh-huh. finally right. We say that whenever somebody says, "I forgot what I was gonna say," I was like, "It must not have been important." Yeah. You'll, or you'll remember it. I mean, it just is what it is. But Brian, as always, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for talking creeks. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. Brad, you got anything? Nope. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you yeah, guys man. next week. Appreciate y'all having me on there. And I'll uh, Brad drag Matt through some creeks, man. Get him, get him some, get him some creek experience. <laughs> all right, we'll do. I'm down. Uh, Let's go. Guys, make sure to tune in next week as well because we got an epic guest. It's gonna be fun. I want to tell you who it is, but Brad, yeah, I'm not mad. going to. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> it'll be a surprise. So, yeah. So be on the lookout, guys. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right. See y'all. Peace. Yeah.